Welcome to the Standing Up to Pots podcast, otherwise known as the Potscast. This podcast is dedicated to educating and empowering the community about postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, commonly referred to as POTS. This invisible illness impacts millions and we are committed to explaining the basics, raising awareness, exploring the research, and empowering patients to not only survive, but thrive. This is the Standing Up to POTS podcast. Hello, fellow POTS patients and peachy people who care about POTS patients. I'm Jill Brooke, your horizontal host, and today we have an episode of the POTS Diaries, where we get to know someone in the POTS community and hear their story. So today we are speaking with Ellie, who has kindly volunteered to share her story so that the rest of us might benefit. Ellie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. So let's start with the easy stuff. What is your age and where are you? I am 19. My birthday was yesterday. Happy birthday. Thank you. And right now I'm in Forest Grove, Oregon, where I go to college. Oh, very nice. Okay. So tell us a little bit about what you're into or what you're passionate about or what your interests are. Well, I love volleyball. I've been playing for about probably seven years and I love music. So playing violin and singing and stuff like that. Oh, very cool. What kinds of music do you like to play the most? Um, Really anything with like the violin. It's more classical stuff, but any like pop normal stuff or singing and stuff. Okay, all of these activities sound very upright oriented. I'll have to ask you about that in a minute. Yes, it has definitely changed. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) but before we get there, I would love to hear a little bit about your personality. How would you or your friends or family describe it, do you think? I actually had to ask my family about this because obviously I I can't really describe myself, but (laughs) they said that I'm very goal oriented and a very dedicated person. And I can say I'm very creative and very honest and funny. Very nice. So that is a funny question though. Like, was their answer similar to what you would have expected? Yeah, kind of. I I really had no idea. I was like, how, how would you describe me? I didn't know how to answer that. So I know. I'm a little scared. I would like to go around and ask all my friends and family to describe my personality, except I'm a little (laughs) worried what they might say. (laughs) They're definitely very nice to me. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So if we were going to force you to brag about yourself a little bit, tell us some things that you're good at. Hmm. I would go back to the the music and the violin thing and the, the volleyball thing. Other than that... I, I don't really know. Pro- I would say volleyball and violin. Wonderful. Okay. What do you think is the key to being good at violin? Just like practice and just dedication to actually doing it. You know, I feel like everything takes time to learn something. So like having the focus to be able to just keep going. Okay. That must have been my problem. I never got past the screechy stage and it was just... pretty much torture the whole time. How long did the screechy stage last for you? Definitely a couple years. I started when I was pretty young. I've been playing for about 10 years. Since I've been diagnosed, I haven't been able to play, which has kind of been like a whole new world for me. But I still had a music really part of my life. So have you ever thought about musical instruments you could play like while lying down? I'm taking a course right now in college of ukulele. So 
I've been trying to do that. And that's more, you know, sitting down, laying flat, and it's not as close to my ears. So it doesn't give me a really bad headache. So that's, that's actually been helping. And then you can sing at the same time. So it's like both worlds. So. Oh, excellent. And there is no screechiness. There's not. Okay. Well, I am wondering next if you could give us a snapshot of what your life looked like in the year leading up to POTS, if you had such a time before POTS. Okay. Well, I was definitely a very active person. I was constantly playing volleyball, like hours every single day. This was my senior year of high school, so I was trying to get recruited at the time. So I was working out constantly. I was probably in like the best shape of my life and playing violin because I was also thinking I was going to play violin in college and work that into like a major or minor. And obviously I was still trying to do well in school and I was hanging out with my friends all the time and I had a job, like all of this kind of just go going all the time. And how old were you? 18. All right. So what was your first sign that POTS had entered your life? I actually had to, again, ask my mom about this because my senior year is like really foggy. Like I really don't remember a lot of like what has happened. So she said like the first thing that she noticed was we had to do these stair workouts where we'd like run up and down stairs multiple times. And I always loved to do them. It was like one of my favorite workouts and we were doing it. And all of a sudden I just couldn't see the stairs. So I just kept tripping and I was like, obviously something's wrong. I couldn't keep doing it. And I actually ended up calling my mom. I was like, something isn't right. I can't see what I'm doing, obviously. So that was like the first initial, like something's wrong. Wait, so could you see anything? Like you just couldn't see the down the stairs in front of you or did it go completely blank? It was just like the world was kind of like closing in, you know? So it's like everything started to kind of go black and fuzzy, like pre-sync of it, you're about to pass out kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. So how long did stuff like this go on before you decided to see a doctor? So that went on for probably a couple months and it just wasn't getting any better. So we actually went to a doctor and they said that my iron levels were just really low. And that was true. That was part of it. And so I ended up actually having to do a colonoscopy and endoscopy because they thought I might be internally bleeding and stuff. But all of that came back fine. And I was able to get my iron levels back up. But then I got COVID right after. So while I'm anemic, I'm still trying to play volleyball, still trying to go to school. And then my whole volleyball team gets COVID. And COVID hit me really hard. And then after that, everyone's still getting better. And I was still super sick. So then we were like, something's really wrong. Oh, shoot. So... Then what was the process like getting a POTS diagnosis? Did people believe you? Did they know what was going on right away? Or did you have an ordeal? For a couple months, you know, it was kind of doctors saying like, well, it might be just because of the anemia. It might be just because of COVID. And so my primary care doctor, she's amazing. And she referred me to a cardiologist just to make sure everything was okay, especially with COVID and stuff. And it took a couple months to get into the cardiologist. And after seeing them like three times, they referred us to a POTS clinic. But my primary doctor had just kind of in the back of her head just mentioned that she was like, oh, you guys might want to look into POTS a little bit. This might be something that you might have. But she didn't want to be like, oh, you have POTS because that's kind of a scary thing to tell someone. So overall, that probably took like six months to finally like get a diagnosis. But 
that was like my mom constantly calling, trying to get referrals, trying to like get into doctors and stuff. So what was the worst you were ever at in terms of POTS? Did you have more than just your vision being affected? What else? I had, I still have, well, <laughs> like really bad headaches that just last days. Obviously the presyncope and dizzy stuff. I've had really bad tachycardia, but I'm on a medication now that kind of helps with that. And the the brain fog was really something that like I'd never had to deal with before, which is was really hard, especially trying to graduate high school and you can't remember anything. Super fatigued. I had no appetite and my temperature just could not regulate my temperature. I still can't. Like I'm freezing cold one second and then just sweating the next. So kind of a big spule of things. Yes. <laughs> How much has it improved since getting a diagnosis? Like, has that helped? I think definitely with managing it and kind of like understanding what my body's really doing and the being able to lower my heart rate has really helped because it's, you know, like when you stand up and your heart rate jumps to like 200, like that's, you just obviously won't feel good. So that has definitely helped. And I think the the dizziness has gotten better and stuff too. But I think that's just also me knowing that you can't just stand up and start like going. You have to like really like take your time to like be able to like get moving, you know. So as somebody who's relatively kind of fresh to all this, presumably you have a clear memory of what life was like before POTS. Yeah. How would you describe brain fog to people? Like, does it come on quickly? Does it come on slowly? What does it feel like to you? I think brain fog is the weirdest thing. It just happens out of absolutely nowhere for me. I remember when I was like first being diagnosed, it was really bad. And I just be trying to say a sentence and I just could not think of the word that was like, it was just like my brain wasn't even there. <laughs> it's definitely gotten better, but there's still sometimes that like, I'm trying to write a paper or something and I'm like, it's just like, there's nothing in there. <laughs> yeah. You had mentioned that it was tough finishing up your senior year mm -hmm. of high school like that. Would it like hit you in the middle of a class or? So thankfully I was online most of my senior year. So that I was able to like go slower and stuff. And I was laying in bed doing my homework, which definitely helped. But yeah, I definitely did not do well in any of my classes <laughs> and just like trying to do math and stuff. It was just, I just couldn't do it. And then if you just waited long enough, would it all just be back, all of your abilities again? Yeah, sometimes it would just like come back. But then there are other times where like I'd have to like put it down and like come back in an hour when like my head wouldn't hurt as bad. Because that would be another thing is with the brain fog, it was almost like a headache would automatically be with it. Trying to do both at once and trying to do school just wouldn't work. Okay, so you mentioned you're at college now. I am. That's cool. How is that going and how does POTS affect it? That has definitely been a struggle to be here. I'm very lucky that I'm here, that I graduated high school and that I've been able to come to college. I got recruited on their volleyball team and I came here trying to play volleyball and ultimately I, I really wasn't able to do that. So I've just kind of stepped down from that, but I'm still going to be a part of their team. I'm just like helping manage and stuff. So that's a part of my college experience that has definitely what I envisioned in college, you know, it's definitely changed. And with schooling, it's definitely been very difficult. I'm really lucky that I go to a really small college. So I don't have to walk really far to my classes, which is really good. But it's definitely really hard to 
get good grades in my classes, especially when there are days where I wake up and I feel like I have no brain. <laughs> and like trying to take exams, trying to like focus my brain for like two hours just doesn't go well. So trying to manage all that is definitely difficult. Yeah, I mean, you are very cheerful. <laughs> but what I'm hearing is that you thought you were going to get to go to college and play volleyball at a collegiate level, yeah. and instead you're having to watch everybody. Yes. That sounds really tough. It is. <laughs> like, obviously, I'm super disappointed about it, but I know that, like, volleyball, this isn't the end for my, like, volleyball career. Like, I want to coach. I know, like, always will be part of my life. I think that helps because I'm not. it's not like I'm giving up all of it. Mm-hmm. That's great. So do you pace yourself through the day? Do you take a full class load? How's that working out? So I definitely have paced myself because that was something that I really struggled with, especially like being an athlete. I've always just, just pushed through it, just keep going. And I tried to do that initially when I was like diagnosed and I just, just wouldn't be able to get through the days and just totally crashed. So I've been able to like spread out my classes so I'm not taking anything early in the morning so I can have that time to like prepare myself. And then I have big gaps between my classes so I just can go to one and then I can come back to my room and rest a little bit before the other. And definitely just, just kind of writing everything out just so I know what I need to get done and just being able to, like you said, just like pace myself. That's great. Yeah. Are there other things that you need to do every day to stay feeling your best? I definitely try to work out every day. And a workout, I mean, like 20 minutes of something. I just feel like if I don't, it kind of just keeps continuing. But it's just kind of depends on the day because there's some days where I genuinely don't have the energy to work out. But I think that's something like doing something kind of active every day, even if that means walking to my classes, that's a big part of my routine. You know, I've heard a lot of patients say that if they miss a day of their exercise, then the next day just feels so much harder. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's because blood volume drops or what, but that'll keep us on track. <laughs> How do you manage food in college and a salty diet and all that good stuff? That has definitely been very difficult. And the dining hall here. I'm also gluten-free. I've been gluten-free like my whole life, so that hasn't been a new thing. But I think that's also kind of a good thing with POTS because a lot of POTS patients are gluten-free. So I basically make all of my food. So it's turkey sandwiches. I've tried to do everything with high protein. I've kind of found that if I do more protein in the day that I end up feeling better. And then, of course, salting everything and I have I have little salt jars everywhere so <laughs> just it's definitely hard to like manage because I just have this tiny little mini fridge with all my food in it but I've been able to get some good protein in there so good for you what about a social life at college yeah <laughs> that's <laughs> I have a really good group of friends that I found that kind of understand that there are some days where like I don't feel like going out or let's just watch a movie in the dorm instead. So I think I'm really lucky with that. But it's definitely limited my social life because obviously if I don't feel good enough to go hang out with people, like I'm not going to find a huge group of friends. But I think I'm very lucky with like the people that I do have here. So, Is there anybody else there that has POTS? Like POTS isn't that rare. I wish, but there's not. I don't think so. Okay. So what's the hardest thing about living with POTS? 
There are a lot of hard things. Let's see. Especially because I am still a little like kind of new to this, just kind of for me, like accepting that I can't compare myself to like who I was before this, just kind of finding like the new me and new things that I can be interested in that aren't what they used to be and so active and stuff. Yeah. So what are you finding in that department? Definitely music has been a really good go-to for me because it's calm and stuff. And I love to like craft. So I've really gotten into crocheting and knitting. Everybody calls me a grandma, but (laughs) I make stuff like that. And just like hanging out with friends too can be really helpful. So just to like get my mind off things and stuff. That's great. Do you feel like this experience has changed you very much as a person? It definitely has totally changed me. I mean, it totally like flipped my life upside down, but I've kind of like, it's definitely taught me to like slow down and just kind of like appreciate what I do have now instead of just keep mowing through life, you know? That's a very mature attitude. (laughs) That's great. I wish I had gotten that, that mature that fast. (laughs) So what, what or who helps you the very most with all this? I would definitely think my parents have been such a huge help with all of this, especially because like they know me best and they know how important like being active was in my life. So my mom's calling me all the time, you know, how are you feeling? What can we do? They'll randomly send me new electrolyte drinks they found or my mom's like, here, listen to this podcast I found. So they're very involved. So I, th- I yeah, just like my support system. Oh, that's very nice. Do you feel like your high school friends who were such a big part of your old active life, do they understand? I don't really think so, especially with COVID. I wasn't really in school a lot, so I can't really say that I I had a huge group my senior year. And like the people that I did talk to, like it was occasional because I, I just I didn't feel good enough. I really just didn't do anything. So I don't think a lot of those people really like understand what I was really going through, especially because when you look at someone with POTS, they look totally healthy. So I think it's a look like really hard concept for a lot of people to grasp, but so probably not in high school, but my college friends, probably it's a little different. Are there any other people at college that you know of that have post-COVID problems? I have not found anyone at college. There was one girl at my high school who did. She had, it was very mild, but she was having some symptoms. So I'm not alone in this, which is nice. (laughs) Yeah. Do you know anything now about living with POTS that you wish you had known earlier? I think the biggest thing was, I said this earlier, but I would just try and just keep going. Whenever I was tired, you know, I'd just be like, well, you just need to like push harder. You just need to like, you know, just keep going. But that would just make me so much worse. So I think if I realized that I needed to take a step back and needed to rein it in before and sit down for an hour and drink a bunch of water before I try and walk up the stairs or something, that I think I would have been a lot better because I took so many steps backwards before I was able to like start getting better. Mm-hmm. Has anything at all positive come from your having POTS? Has there been any silver lining at all? I think that I found like a really good group of people that I've been able to lean on for support, which has been really helpful. And I think I'm also able to like appreciate things more just because I'm so limited in like what I can do. Like I, I just have to like 
be able to appreciate the little things more than I used to. So can you tell some specifics about that? Like, what are some examples of things that maybe you appreciate now that you didn't used to? I think something as simple as I dropped my keys and like my friend bends down to pick them up instead of me. That sounds (laughs) so silly, but like that means so much more than like you would actually think. So little silly stuff like that. You know, I get that. I have this theory that the worse you feel, the more it means to you when any person does any teensy tiny little act of kindness. Yeah. And like there's some magnification effect. And so now, yes, when I see somebody who's clearly not doing well, I try to be as helpful as possible knowing that there's like this weird law of physics that magnifies potentially. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds strange, but it's so true. Yeah. So what counts as a victory these days to you? What's a good day? I think a good day when they come (laughs) are being able to get up in the morning and successfully go through my classes and still feeling decent by the end of the day. That sounds so silly, but I think just being able, like not having a point of total exhaustion where I have to like lay down is probably a good day. (laughs) So obviously you're at an age where you're having to start to kind of think about what you might do in terms of your studies Mm -hmm. or your major or what you might want to do after college. Does this influence any of your interests in that way? It has totally changed things. I came into college thinking I wanted to be a physical therapist. And looking at that now, I don't think even if that I could physically do it, just being able to do all that schooling and all of the clinical training and stuff. So I've actually changed my major to public health at the moment. Who knows if that will change again. But I've met, the medical field has always been something that I've been interested in. And especially now with POTS, I'm way more interested in it. So somewhere in there that's a little more slow, but still something that I'm interested in. That's great. That's wonderful. Are you up for a speed round where we ask your poor undernourished brain to say the first thing that comes to your mind? Sure. What is your favorite way to get salt? Potato chips. What is the drink that you find the most hydrating? Probably liquid IV. What is your favorite time of the day and why? I think probably like the middle of the day where I've been able to wake up a little bit, the medication is kicked in and I've gotten some water down and I'm kind of okay. (laughs) (laughs) Where is your favorite place to spend time? My dorm. (laughs) That's good. How many doctors did you have to see for POTS? I'd say at least seven to 10. How many other POTS patients have you ever met face-to-face in the flesh? One. What is one word that describes what it's like living with a chronic illness? I think complicated. (laughs) (laughs) Good one. (laughs) Very diplomatic. What is some good advice that anyone ever gave you about anything? I think just don't stop fighting. Just keep going, no matter what. What is something small or inexpensive that brings you comfort or joy? My dog. She's really small. She's not inexpensive, but she's small. (laughs) (laughs) Very nice. And probably the most popular answer we get. That's my answer. (laughs) Who is somebody that you admire? 
I think I really admire my uncle. He's just really been through a lot, especially recently. And again, with the whole idea of just keep fighting, he just kind of really embodies that. What is something that you are proud of? I'm proud that I graduated high school and that I'm here in college right now. What is an activity that you can enjoy even when you're feeling really, really potsy? Watching TV with my friends. What helps you fall asleep, if anything? Either like reading a book or probably watching TV. What gives you energy, if anything? I think just staying hydrated, probably, and just keeping up on my salt intake. I always feel better when it's like that. What is a gift that you would have sent to every POTS patient on Earth if you had infinite funds? I have this water bottle that lights up and glows when I need to drink, and it tracks how much water you drink. So I think I'd send that to everyone. <laughs> what is something that you are grateful for? I am grateful for my family. Yay, we're happy you had a supportive experience. Can you finish these sentences? I love it when... I feel good. I hate it when... I don't feel good. <laughs> people might suspect I'm a potsy when... When I am laying with my feet up in really random places. <laughs> That's funny because that was my next question. Have you ever had to sit or lay down in a weird place because of pots? And if so, where? There was one time I was walking around campus and with my friends, I was like, nope, we can't do this. Just so just in the middle of the street, I had my feet up. <laughs> and at this point, does everyone understand? Yes. Everyone's like, oh, that's just Ellie, especially my volleyball team, because during practices, when I was first trying to see if I could still do it, I would just kind of wave my coach down and be like, got to take a break. And I'd sit with my feet up on the wall. So they understand it. <laughs> Excellent. So I just have a couple more questions. What do you wish more people knew about POTS? I wish people knew that POTS is so much more than just a fast heart rate or just like passing out. It's really just a full body debilitating thing. So it's especially because it's so like invisible. It's just so more than like people actually understand. Right. And it's named for what I think is the least bothersome symptom. So it gives everybody the impression that it's just a, just a high heart rate. You're just getting a workout. Lucky you. Totally. Yeah. Is there anything you would like to say to your fellow POTS patients who might be listening? I'd say just keep going. You can't let yourself, I know I have, you can't like wallow in like you miss what your life was. You just kind of have to accept it and like make the best out of it and just keep going. Did you ever have times where you were tempted to wallow? I definitely have, you know, countless doctors who are just, there's nothing wrong with you or you just need to drink more water. That's just, or just like not being able to find an answer. That's definitely like super hard. Is there anything that helped you stop wallowing? I think again, just my family's support. Just like knowing that like they're always there and I'm just kind of like, it's the next day. I don't know how I'm going to feel the next day. So just get through today and you might wake up tomorrow feeling okay. Okay. And my last question is why did you agree to let us share your story? I love listening to the podcast, especially like the diaries, because I know that like I've felt alone at times with this. Because people say like, oh, I understand what you're going through. But like, you really don't like unless you like actually have POTS. So if I'm able to share my story and someone else is listening who has 
similar to me or has gone through similar what I gone through that maybe I'm able to like put some extra hope in there to be like, you can do it, you know? That's very nice. Okay. Sorry. One more question. I lied. If you imagine a version of Ellie who's wallowing or feeling her worst, yes. is there anything that current Ellie could say to her that would be helpful? Oh my, that is a really hard question. Probably just, I've said this so many times, it's going to be okay. This isn't the worst of it, you know? I feel like it's like everybody goes through things and it's just kind of like, it's just something that you have to deal with. This is just part of my life now. So, and it's just, it's okay. (laughs) It'll be okay. (laughs) That's great. Very strong, very positive. Well, Ellie, thank you so much for sharing your story and your insights with us. We really appreciate it. And I know that everybody listening is wishing you all the best going forward. Well, thank you. And thank you for having me. And hey, listeners, thank you for listening. Remember, you're not alone. And please join us again soon. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Consult your healthcare team about what's right for you. This show is a production of Standing Up to Pots, which is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. You can send us feedback or make a tax-deductible donation at www.standinguptopots.org. You can also engage with us on social media at the handle Standing Up to Pots. If you like what you heard today, please consider subscribing to our podcast and sharing it with your friends and family. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts or at www.thepotscast.com. Thanks for listening.